0: Well, hey, welcome to everybody at all the campuses and online. It's so good to be together today. We're bringing the year to a close. And lots of people have traditions when it comes to the new year. Uh, Lots of people make resolutions or they determine words that will guide the coming year. And those practices, those are so great. I hope you do that. I've been thinking lately about a lot of the traditions that we have that mark significant moments in our lives. And so many of those traditions revolve around food. I did some reading lately about some of the food traditions from all over the world uh, when it comes to New Year and there's some pretty fun ones. So check this out. In Japan people eat these soba noodles and they're extra long and these long noodles are supposed to bring long life. In Italy it's a practice to eat lentils after midnight on New Year's Eve and the coin shape of the lentil represents prosperity. Suckling pig is the traditional New Year's cuisine in Cuba. Uh, Staying on that pig theme in Germany, marzipan pigs are a dessert dessert that, again, represents financial gain in the coming year. Uh, Several cultures have a a tradition of baked goods with a special prize or a trinket baked in for a lucky person to find. So in Greece, there's a spice cake that has a coin baked into it. In some of the Eastern European countries, they bake a large flat. Loaf of bread with a single walnut baked into the loaf for a lucky person to find. Now, doesn't that sound special? Hey, I I thought about cracking a joke right here about that one, but I thought it would be too nutty. Uh, This is this is a really fun one. In Spain, they eat twelve grapes right at midnight on New Year's Eve, and the goal is to eat all twelve of the grapes before the twelve chimes of the clock finish. And that sounds really fun. It also sounds really dangerous. Well, these traditions sound fun. And if you're like me right now, just hearing about all these traditions, it makes me hungry. But all these traditions are meant to bring something positive into people's lives in the coming year. And I have a sneaking suspicion that just eating noodles or desserts won't really make a difference in our lives. As we look to the next year, I'm so pumped. It's going to be a big year here at Mountain. God has been up to some pretty cool things, some pretty big things. And our prayer is that this year, God would do amazing things through us. That God would do amazing things through us. But first, God needs to do something in us. And my prayer is this, that we would fall deeper in love with Scripture. And we would make it a priority in our year that we would make it a priority in our lives. (laughs) I read a survey recently that indicated that the number one thing that made the biggest difference and brought about the most significant change in people's walk with the Lord, you know what it is? It's engagement with scripture. And the simple way to say that is reading the Bible. That same study showed that one of the things that people want most from a church is to understand scripture and apply it to their lives. So the thing we know that will make the biggest difference in our life is the same thing that our hearts are longing for. The same thing that we want. A lot of people start out the year with a list of New Year's resolutions and reading the whole Bible or increasing the amount of Bible reading is a resolution that's shared by lots of people. And then there's resolutions that we make that are really hard to do hard things like to lose 50 pounds or to climb Mount Everest or finally start your own business. But somehow the goal to spend more time reading the Bible it seems like a more daunting task than those really scary, really hard things. And I'm convinced that there are spiritual powers at work that want to keep us from being in the word of God. Now, I believe that, that this book has power for our lives. Now, check out what 2 Timothy says. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 says this, that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. No matter who you are or what your history with this book is, let's make this year the year that we fall in love with the Bible. So I want to invite you right now to open your Bibles or or your Bible app to Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible and it's right in the middle. So it should be pretty easy to find. Uh, This chapter speaks about the beauty of the word of God. It shows over and over again the way God keeps his promises in scripture. The way God is faithful. The way God speaks to each reader through, through this ancient document. It's a beautiful passage and we're going to hear some challenges in this chapter that I hope will give us a motivation and direction as we put an emphasis on participation with scripture in our lives this year. When you read this whole chapter, you quickly start to identify with the author. Now, the author didn't put his name on this one, but sometimes it's credited to King David Uh, sometimes to Ezra, but the author says things that sound pretty familiar. And they sound familiar because it sounds like things that I say sometimes. I mean, the author expressed over and over again that life is hard. He, He says things like, how long do I have to wait for you, God? The arrogant have smeared me with lies. He's saying, my life isn't easy, but I have found hope and truth and life And a guide for my life in your words. Uh, The first challenge we want to look at is in in Psalm 119, verse 47. So wherever you are right now at a campus or watching online, let's read this one out loud together. Okay. How I delight in your commands. How I love them. So delight in God's word. Delight in God's word. That's the challenge. I think about the things that I delight in. And the first thing that comes to my mind is my family. I just love spending time with them. I delight in a good cup of coffee. Actually, if you know me well, you know that I delight in lots of cups of coffee all day long. I delight in good movies. You know, the kind of movies that you can watch over and over again. And for me, that's any of the Lord of the Rings movies. I just delight in those. The things we delight in are the things that get our consistent, undivided attention without us complaining. <laughs> it, you know, I think these, these devices right here that we carry around in our pockets or our handbags, they get that kind of attention. And I think if we're all honest, we do delight in our phones. It's probably not a great thing. I, I'm pretty sure we all know that, right? And I bet a lot of people this week are making some sort of commitment to spend less time distracted by those little screens. Okay, so honesty time right now. Honesty time for everybody. Who gets home after a long day and sits down in front of a big screen that's mounted on the wall, but focuses more on the little screen in your hand, and this is how you unwind from a long day of working in front of a medium-sized screen? Yikes! Did I just describe your life? (laughs) I remember back when I got my first iPhone, I was really motivated to make it a good thing and to not be a distraction in my life. So I got the Bible app. And that's a great resource to have Scripture right there in your pocket. And then I got a 90-day Bible reading plan to read the whole Bible on my phone in 90 days. And I tell you what, it was a challenge. And some days it was a delight. And some days it was a lot of work. And when I got done with that plan, guess what happened? My phone was still a distraction. Can you believe it? I read this recently. What if we treated our Bible the way we treat our cell phone? What if we carried it around everywhere we went? What if we went back home to get it when we forgot it? What if we flipped through it when we were bored? What if we gave it to our kids as a gift, a precious gift? What if it was our go-to for advice on life? Or our go to for entertainment? What if we used it to receive messages? What if we carried it with us in case of an emergency? What if we just delighted in the Word of God? I want to share a resource today uh, with you that a whole bunch of people here at Mountain and actually all around the world are finding to be powerful in helping us delight in the Word of God. It's an app. It's called the Public Reading of Scripture. Uh, now, the Bible was written to be understood, and for many, many years, people read these words out loud to, uh, out loud to each other. Uh, so there's power in hearing a story out loud. And all the educators here will know this to be true, uh, that when you see and you hear a text, something very effective takes place in our understanding. So uh, I want you to do this. I want you to go download today the app. Uh, You can find this app at psri.org, psri.org. It's a free app and it's so engaging. It's an audio Bible uh, that is done so well. There's a bunch of languages, several translations available. I I know some of the biggest obstacles many have when it comes to reading the Bible are a a lack of time and then distractions. And we all know we make time for the things that are important to us. So check this out. On this app, it takes 98 hours to listen to the Bible in English, start to finish. I, I wanna encourage you to do this. When you can, read or listen to a whole book of the Bible in one sitting you know, that's the way they were intended to be received. And some of the books of the Bible, I know some of them are pretty long, but some are pretty accessible. Actually, almost half of the books in the Bible take less than 30 minutes to read or listen to. So, do you think you could find 30 minutes in your day to listen to Scripture? A little while back, I hopped in the car with Luke Erickson and uh, we were going to serve at a student ministry event together. And and when he turned his car on, it started playing what he had been listening to in the previous ride. You know, his phone just queued up right where he left off and it queued up to an audio Bible. And and I learned a lot that day from him about making time to delight in the Bible. I, I mean, I wonder what my phone would queue up to. It would probably be some really good music. But he was using his drive time to hear God's word. I've been trying to do that since that day and it's a great practice. You know, while I was preparing for this message, I was out for a run with some friends and we started talking about what I was working on and and one of the guys said, you know, I have the Bible app on my phone and and I have some devotional plans on my Bible, uh, on my phone with my Bible app and I try to be really intentional. I try to delight in God's word, but then I get a text about work or, or I wonder if I should check the weather or my email or I get distracted by social media. And I think that happens to a lot of us. So part of the challenge is to create ways to not be distracted. And maybe that means turning notifications off. Maybe it means using a paper Bible. I found the public reading of scripture app to be helpful to listen and read. Because I can follow along with the text as I listen and I'm more engaged One of the ways we're delighting in God's word with our staff here at Mountain is once a week, we're setting aside 45 minutes to an hour to listen to the Bible using this app together. Uh, That's how the Bible was meant to be received in the context of community with other people. Uh, and, And there's no lesson that we have when we get together or any planned discussion. We just simply listen to the word of God and we delight in it. And I hope you can find some time to do that in your life. Here's another challenge for us with the word of God. Memorize it. Memorize it. Psalm 119.11. I have hidden your words in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, like a lot of those food traditions we talked about for New Year's earlier. Uh, Some of the reasons uh, that those traditions exist is because they bring something good in your life. Well, uh, this verse that we have shows us pretty clearly what will happen, what good will happen in your life when you memorize the word of God. It will help us to not sin, to live a more righteous life. And you might say, I want that. I want to sin less. I want to be closer to God. I want to have less guilt in my life, but oh, I don't have a photographic memory. Or, or it's hard for me to memorize things. You know, I found this, that the things that we delight in, they become committed to our memory just because of repetition. And so let's do a little test right now. I'll show you what I'm talking about, okay? If you're about my age, grew up in the 80s or 90s, here we go. You just finished this line, okay? In West Philadelphia, born and raised. On the playground where I spend most of my days. Okay, yeah, you know it, okay? Abney Campus, I hope you didn't, you made me proud on that one, okay? Uh, so if you grew up in the 60s or 70s, how about this one? Let's see if you can do this. Hey, Jude, don't make it bad. Yeah, yeah, good job. You know that one too, okay? Uh, Some friends of mine in college, we used to watch Home Alone, that great movie, every night from Thanksgiving break until Christmas break. And and it's still a favorite at our house right now. We watch it a few times each Christmas season, and we just delight in that movie Uh, the whole way through. We're quoting almost every line, the whole family. It's a blast. You know, I don't think many of us set out to memorize the words to our favorite TV shows or the lines to our favorite movies or songs, but when we take them in over and over, when we feed our minds and our souls with those words, they just become part of who we are. And it just spills out of us. It becomes not just receiving, but it becomes participating We long to participate because we want to belong. I hope you can see where this is going, right? I'm praying that everyone hearing this message today would delight in the word of God so much that it would just spill out of us all the time, that we would be participating in the word of God, like we would be so full of scripture that there there would be so much inspired word of God hidden in our hearts, just stuffed into every little nook and cranny of our lives, that it would be the words that are on the tip of our tongues That it would become the language that we speak in. A couple days ago, I got to hang out with some friends here at Mountain at Celebrate Recovery. Each week, that group recites together the steps of recovery, and there's a scripture that goes with with each one of those steps. And, And the goal in recovery is to memorize those steps. And to work those steps, to be guided by those scriptures, to hide them in your heart so that when temptation to relapse comes, those true words from scripture are right there. Right there to hold on to. You may not be addicted to a substance. But the truth is we are all addicted to sin. It's the one thing that we all have in common. I heard a friend at Celebrate Recovery say this, that there are those who are in recovery and then there are those who are in denial. We all keep doing the things we don't want to do. Paul says it this way in the New Testament. This is Romans seven nineteen. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. That sounds familiar. What if we started looking at our times together as a recovery group for all sinners? If we just encouraged each other with scriptures that, we have, the scriptures that we have committed to memory, so that when, when we hear from each other, we would all just be more free from sin? so we could just encourage each other to live a life that is righteous. If you were around here at Mountain in November, we, we memorized a verse together as a church. We, we memorized this verse during our services. Do you remember it? Rejoice always, pray all the time, give thanks to God in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. First Thessalonians five sixteen through 18. When we were memorizing that verse together, there were moments throughout the weeks when it would come to mind. When those words would speak to all of us in our lives. And that happened for me a whole bunch of times. I'll tell you, during that series, we received some pretty difficult news about my mom's health. And I kept coming back to those words. I kept coming back to them on hard days. Rejoice always. When you don't know what to do or where to turn to, pray all the time. And when you're confronted with difficult news or an unexpected diagnosis, give thanks to God. In all circumstances, I held on to those words. I'm still holding on to those words. Okay, challenge number three. Challenge number three. Trust it. Trust God's word. Trust the Bible. I know a lot of us have trust issues. I mean, we live in a world where it's hard to know sometimes what you can trust and what you can't trust. Have you seen this meme? It's one of my favorites. This is so great. Don't believe everything you read on the internet just because there's a picture with a quote next to it. Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) Okay, that's good to know, right? (laughs) You know, maybe things like that. Maybe that's why we have trust issues. I, I think the author of Psalm 119 knew that we would need to hear words like the ones in verse 138 where it says, The statutes you have laid down are righteous, they are fully trustworthy. These are ancient words. They're not just fabricated mythology. They're not an exaggerated legend. They are the living word of God. And then it says this in verse 160, all your words are true. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. You can trust the word of God. No one's been able to prove it otherwise. And you know, lots of people have tried. If we look at the Bible as a historical text, it's a pretty amazing work. Uh, this Bible, it's, it's a compilation of 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament that tell the stories of God's faithfulness throughout history, and they paint a picture of the coming salvation. And then 27 of those books in the New Testament detail the life and the ministry of the Messiah Jesus, his life and death and resurrection, and then the birth of the church and the living body of Christ that endures even to day. And so these volumes, they were written over a span of 1500 years across 60 generations in three languages in several countries and cultures by around 40 authors. And still there's a consistent thread in all of it. Across time and culture, it agrees with itself. All your words are true. All your words are true. You ever played the telephone game, you know, where you put several people in a line and you whisper a message into the first person's ear and then they turn to the next person and they whisper the message and then they whisper the next message to the next person and so on until it gets to the last person and then they say the message out loud and pretty often there's a big difference by the time that message gets to the end of the line. Now, we could talk today about the historical and archaeological evidence that supports the Bible's accuracy. Uh, Maybe you want to do a deep dive on that. I encourage you to do that. Do that research. But I'll tell you this, the Bible has stood the test of time. It stood the test of scrutiny. I saw this chart the other day, and it shows the beauty of the Bible how it agrees with itself, how promises and prophecies are fulfilled, how each part of the Bible references and supports each other. So you see at the bottom of this chart, you see this, these lines, little gray lines, those represent the books and chapters of the Bible. And see that right there in the middle, right there in the middle, that really long line. That's Psalm 119, the chapter that we're working out of today, the longest chapter in the Bible. That's pretty cool. And these colorful arcs, you see all these colorful arcs that connect the chapters and books of the Bible. They represent promises that are kept. Words that are fulfilled. Two events that connect to each other. One author referencing another. The message remains consistent and it's beautiful and it points to a savior and that's Jesus. And it points to a kingdom that is coming that will endure forever. All your words are true. Elise Strobel was a journalist and, and he was an atheist his wife, Leslie, was indifferent to faith. When they met and got married, they, they agreed on that. But then Leslie came to faith and, and, and she came to faith in Jesus and, and Lee didn't know what to do. I mean, he was an atheist after all. And, and at first he contemplated divorce. He didn't want anything to do with Christians. So how could he be married to one? So he set out to investigate his wife's Christian faith and the Bible, and he was going to prove this wrong. He was an investigative journalist, so researching to find out the facts, it was just right up his alley. And his his goal was to get his wife out of what he perceived to be a cult before they changed her into some holy roller that he couldn't relate to. Listen to some of Lee's words here, describing that process. He said, I thought I could resolve in a weekend. But but it was like a punching bag that when you hit it, it would just bounce back. And I was finding answers to my questions. I was finding footprints of Jesus in history. And evidence that I found to be compelling and surprising. He describes an avalanche of evidence that supported the truth of the Bible and of Christianity, and it led him to placing his faith in Christ, leaving his job as a journalist. He then pursued a career in ministry and wrote several books that helped many people who were on that same journey of faith. He found that same thing that's expressed in Psalm one hundred nineteen, one hundred sixty. Every word is true. I hope you find that too. I hope you do. Our last challenge is this. Obey God's word. Obey it. Obey the word of God. The previous challenge to trust the word of God, it goes right hand in hand with this one. Trust and obey. Psalm 119.44 says this. I will keep on obeying your instructions forever and ever. It's so important that we know God's word, to study it, to memorize it, to meditate on it, to ask questions of it. You know it's okay to ask questions, right? We all have questions. Be curious about the Bible, but most of all, do it. Do what it says. And I know that can be hard. It can be hard because the message that we're given by the world around us all the time runs contrary to the truth that is the word of God. A culture would tell us things like, take what's yours. Look out for number one. And scripture instructs us to imitate Christ who put the needs of others ahead of his own. Uh, The message from the world and from our own human instincts when when we've been wronged is to take revenge, but the words of Christ live in our hearts. And Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek. And the message we're inundated with is to indulge in our sexual desires. But scripture in 1 Thessalonians says that we should control our bodies and stay away from sexual sin. I read this and it's so good. It's not difficult to obey when what we're being told to do is what we want to do anyway. So that begs this question, will you obey the word of God when the word of God goes against what you want or what you think is right? There are lots of people who have spent their lives studying the Bible And don't struggle with believing, but do struggle with obeying. Mm. Those are powerful words. I'm reminded of another verse. James 1.22. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're making a fool of yourself. We've only scratched the surface of what we could say about the Bible today, this beautiful text. And there's a bunch of things coming up in the next few weeks that are designed to help us fall in love with the Bible even more. First is the Discover the Bible weekend on January 29th and 30th. That's a more in-depth look at the whole arc of Scripture and why it can be trusted. And then Rooted is coming up. It's a 10-week journey to grow in understanding and the practice of the Christian faith where you'll learn to delight in and memorize and trust and obey these holy words. And you know what? One of our favorite things to do around here, one of our favorite things is to give away Bibles. I mean, we love giving away Bibles. So if you need a Bible today, head to the New Here area at whatever campus you're at and we've got a Bible with your name on it. Well, actually, you're going to have to write your own name on it, okay? But we've got a Bible for you there, and you can take it home today. If you're watching online, uh, we'd love to see you in person sometime. Put a Bible in your hands. We'd love to do that. Well, to close today, uh, let's hear the word of God together. We're going to do this together. We're going to receive the word of God as a community today uh, through the public reading of Scripture app, that app I was talking about a little while ago. And we're going to listen to Psalm 19. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're saying, hey, Beardo, we've been talking about Psalm 119. And you're right. Good, you're observant, okay? You're right. Now, those numbers, those were added later to help us navigate our way around such a large volume. Uh, But in some ways, Psalm 19, it's almost like a Cliff's Note version of Psalm 119. They express the same thing. So as we listen to these words, let's do this. Let's delight in them. Let's memorize what these words have to say. Let's hide these words in our hearts. Let's trust them because they're true and they bring life. And let's obey. Let's obey these words. Be ready to let the word of God change you, to help you grow in righteousness. And let's not just listen to the word of God, but let's do what it says.
1: Psalm 19. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them. He has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression." Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer.